welcome to the Mindful Marriage Podcast. We have with us today the lead care and support pastor. You got it. <laughs> Brock Yonke from Hope Fellowship. And I am Tara Wiedemeyer, licensed professional counselor. How are you, Brock? What's going on? Well, you know, Tara, I'm doing all right. Just trying to, uh, you know, navigate this fun little season. You know, as we're recording this, we're still in the midst of uh, all kinds of uh, fun with COVID-19 and things like that, but, but, but doing well. So how's, yeah. how are things in your world? Um, pretty good. I'm glad it's Friday. Um, it's been a long week, a good week, but a very long week, busy week. Um, so this is not part of our script, but fun question. Ready? Okay. Well, maybe fun question. What has been, you can choose one or both. Okay. Your favorite or best part of the pandemic or being quarantined kind of situation or least favorite or worst memory or part of that so far? Well, it's, it's a little weird to, to say there's something I'm excited about from a pandemic, but well, I'm talking about the things you can find. I know, I, know, I know, but I have enjoyed, it feels like it's a little reset for life. Like everything's had to slow down. And so you kind of reorganize your priorities a little bit. And so I think that's been really nice. And so I feel like I've kind of gotten a little gift uh, of a little life reset to figure out what are my priorities. So how about, how about for you? What would you say? You're... Um, so not to be a copycat, but okay. pretty similar. Um, in fact, I answered this question in a group the other day and I think, yeah, m just getting to spend more time with family, um, which can also feel like on the flip side, not the worst, but you know, the more overwhelming or stressful parts too, because like sometimes we need breaks as parents or spouses, but um, I've loved getting to spend more intentional time with my kids and husband. And I just feel like things have kind of gotten a little more simplified over the last few months. Um, and the stuff that wasn't, you know, it was just noise or extra busyness. A lot of that has, you know, been more um acute I'm bit, I've been more acutely aware of that and so that's been nice but I do think I feel like we're kind of amping up culturally mm -hmm. um to get kind of back into that and so I'm I don't love that but yeah I just think for me it's just been like more time at home um not much because I still have to work um and more time with my family yeah so. I don't obviously we don't have we have an agenda for today but it'd be fun to talk about busyness and why we're so drawn to that uh, and then the negative effects of that because it really oh, yeah. can have a tough talk impact. about a pandemic talk oh, about oh, a pandemic oh, but yeah it is like we we wear busyness like a badge of honor i think a lot of times and so um i'm definitely bent that way naturally and i've gotten a lot better but there's always yeah i i still have so much room for growth there so all right, so today we're talking about a fun topic. Tara, would you like to introduce our topic? I would, yes. Okay. We are talking about physical touch. Dun, dun, um, dun. And what did you say? I said dun, dun, dun. Oh, dun, dun, dun. Yes. So with the caveat of, you know, a lot of times I think when in the church and just secularly, when we talk about physical touch, it always ends up, or I shouldn't say always, it oftentimes ends up, um, with conversation around sex, which from a male perspective, at least my male perspective is a very good thing. I understand. <laughs> but that's why we're talking about it today. Okay. All right. All right. 
right, so right. we can bring more awareness and perspective to that. And so very much um, that is a component, obviously, um, a symptom of physical touch, if you will, but also a part of it, but not the only. Um, and there's a lot of a lot of room on the spectrum before we get there. Um, and just physical touch alone, why it's important, what that can kind of look like, why it's why it is healthy for a marriage. And so we will talk, you know, a little bit about high desire, low desire, and like how that can influence like sexual intimacy. But just right now, physical connection being a core need of marriage. Yeah. And so I think what, you know, and everybody knows I have a lot of respect for your opinion and everything like that. At least I hope they, they know that Tara has given me a face right now. But one of the things that, that you've talked about is that physical touch is a massive core need in any relationship for any human being. And the mm -hmm. problem comes, seems to be in marriage, is that how that is necessarily expressed or received the best. And that, and oftentimes, we don't wanna generalize or stereotype too much, but oftentimes it kind of falls a little bit along male and female lines. And so, uh, so Tara, when you think about physical touch in your marriage, in your life, how would you like, hey man, this would be like, Man, if things were working this way with physical touch, I would be really happy. I don't know if that's a good question or not. Um, if I think, I think that's a, a complex question and has a lot of layers to it. But I think, bottom line, there needs to be. I think it's different for each couple how frequent this needs to be and like you know the context around it. But, a, um a component of compromise and definitely communication around that and making sure we're not like trying to mind read or, you know, put our stuff, project our stuff kind of onto the other person. Because I think a lot of times we just assume, you know, this is what they're thinking or what they want. And that's not always the case. And so, you know, with this being a core need, Core needs are non-negotiable, but I think how we meet those needs is very negotiable, which is why I think communication and compromise are vital. Some might even say those could be core needs in yeah. a marriage, you know, or in a relationship. And so I think my heart and hope for this episode is that we can somewhat articulate what it looks like to be able to create that compromising communication around what we're thinking or feeling or needing in the realm of physical touch or physical connection. So like I'll share with you kind of from our family's perspective and you can see if you uh, 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 identify with this or not, but I think in our family, so non-sexual touch uh, means the world means a lot to my wife. It makes her feel loved. It makes her feel valued. There was even statement she made early on in our marriage i wish you would just touch me sometimes just to love me and not to see it advance toward sexuality and that was a hard tough statement to hear and then you can so you have that kind of perspective like sexual touch non-sexual touch means a lot to me and then you kind of come from my perspective which is maybe a more of a typical male perspective where hey if we never had non-sexual touch again i'd be fine <laughs> That sexual touch means means the world, and so you have these two kind of different views about physical touch, 
and they're both core needs, uh, but how they're expressed is so differently. So that's kind of how I would look at our family. And then it kind of, then you mentioned before about high desire versus low desire. So like when we talk about low desire, those people um, do have a sexual desire, obviously, but this is not in the forefront of their brain all the time. And then a higher desire person kind of always is thinking about sex, wanting to talk about sex. And so that kind of has a lot to do with that. It's kind of higher desire versus low desire and sexual touch as well. But like you said earlier, it's so beautiful because it doesn't necessarily, we're not necessarily talking about sexual touch. We're talking about physical touch that can have a, a gamut of expressions in a marriage relationship. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that like we talked about in the episode on high desire and low desire, it's, again, this is, we're not making generalizations, but for the sake of this conversation and topic, we're going with the assumption males being high desire, females being low desire. We know that is not always the case, um, but it is what we see a lot. And so for a woman to feel desired and feel desirable, you know, and want to move things into a sexual, um, uh, I can't think of the word. Um, Encounter component. Sure. Experience. 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 Okay. You know, sometimes it, other things have to happen and take place first. And a lot of times that is not what the, the husband may want to spend his time doing or, you know, um, may not even think to do those kinds of things. But I think the way we are designed is very much, um, we're very different in that, in that regard. The, the male brain and the female brain are very different when you look at um, how complex things are around intimacy in general, but physical and sexual intimacy here. And so it may take multiple steps and a longer amount of time for the female or wife to um, to want to even be in a sexual experience or encounter. And for a man, there's truly a switch that um, it's it's just more simplistic. And that's not a jab. It's just it's just the way things are. No, you know? you, you've described it before as like when it comes to sexual complexity, men are like grapes. <laughs> just you peel it off and they're ready to go or uh, a female might be more like a an, a an onion a blooming onion where you have to kind of pick through several layers to kind of get to the core of that mm-hmm. and that doesn't necessarily mean one is right or wrong it's just maybe kind of how people are wired it's just, so, yeah it's just that it is what it is and so to to be critical or to even judge something for things be if that's what they are at their core by design it's not productive to get frustrated with it or to try to change it because it's not, it's not going to change. Um, it is what it is. And so if women are more like an onion and there are all these layers to get to the, the nucleus or the, you know, to what's beneath that, those layers are there for a reason and are very valid. And so I think it's, you know, that's it's going to take more time to think about it like to peel an onion to cut an onion to cook an onion than to just pop a grape in your mouth if we're going to go with that analogy you know and again not to like minimize anybody here right, right. Uh, 
And so I think that's something to keep in mind, but to back up a little bit and, you know, we said we weren't going to make this about sex ultimately, you know, I think it's important just physical touch, physical connection is a piece of the human design as well, you know? And even if like, you know, the five love languages, physical touch being one of those five, even if that is not your primary, like let's say it's even your last, it's last on your list and that you don't maybe value it as much or, you know, feel as much from that as you would, you know, quality time or something like that. Um, That's okay too. But knowing that like, you know, we are wired for connection period. Like all humans, no matter where you fall, are wired for connection. And so there is a term called interpersonal synchronization that I want to talk about really, really quickly. Interpersonal Um, synchronization. Yes. And it sounds fancy, but it's really not. It's just, it's our biological um, makeup that allows this to happen, which is really cool um, if you think about it. But like even just a romantic, so a romantic couple, they don't have to be married, but a romantic couple, just being in the same room with each other, this can happen. But then you look at adding like holding hands or a hug or sitting next to each other and parts of your body are in, you know, are touching, then this even, this goes up even more so. But um, they, their cardiorespiratory systems and like brainwaves can sync up. And so what that really just means is like breathing can sync up, um, heart rates can sync up, your brain waves fall into a similar pattern. And so it just makes you feel more in sync and then the behaviors will follow. Even pain can be alleviated upon physical touch sometimes. Um, I read a story one time and then the research that like, was tied to that story and it was about a, a husband being in the labor and delivery room with his wife and she was laboring and felt kind of helpless and like you know I don't there's not much I can do here to help and I'm just literally like I hate seeing her in pain and I hate just sitting back and like waiting for the baby to get here and when he medicine or no medicine involved too this is a thing and so but like just putting like his hand on his wife and holding her hand and being close to her her pain her level of pain went down and there is you know a lot of research around this and i think it's just really cool that like when you have that relationship or that rapport in a relationship and that trust and safety and security then when these things happen, it, it can be exponential in what we experience, like just from handholding or being in the same room with somebody that we, you know, we love and we trust. And I think that's just really cool. Um, It's kind of hard to wrap your brain around because it happens with, it's involuntary, you know, it's subconscious a lot of times. And I just, I just think that's a really cool design. No, that's a great story Uh, there. I don't have a lot of, uh, Great stories from when I was uh, I had to spend in some labor. Time. No, and on labor, but I had to spend some time as a hospital chaplain when I was in grad school, and so there was a time when I was speaking to this woman who was just in a lot of pain, and I was just a young, fresh grad student. I didn't know what to do, and so I just reached out. She was screaming, actually. She was in such pain. I just reached out and held her hand, and she kind of calmed down. 
And so what we had to do is we had to go back and write case studies about what we did in the hospital. And so I wrote this case study and I was like, oh man, I'm going to get just roasted in class for how bad I didn't have the right words to say. I didn't know the, what the right thing to do. So I, I shared my case study and said, all I did was hold her hand. And uh, it, was, it was a cool moment for me. The professor gets up and he says, ladies and gentlemen, we have had our first case this semester of someone doing real pastoral care. That's awesome. So it was very cool. But, but then he was saying like that he kind of talked about how that moment, just that being present, being uh, just holding that person's hand, uh, just said, hey, I'm with you. I'm here for you. And so when you say that, it helps me really understand that in my wife, there is a need, a deep need for her for that physical connection. And there's that interpersonal synchronization that happens if I'm just with her and loving her, not for her body, not for what she can do for me, but it's almost like I'm saying, I want to be with you. And that means the world turret starts just to look be at with me. Yeah, I want like, to be with you. I want to care for you. I'm putting your needs above maybe even my own because I think she's aware that sex is always on the forefront of my mind. And so I think she knows that in that moment. So that's a, a beautiful moment for me to think about not my needs, uh, but think about her needs. And so we've talked a lot about how I think love really kind of best served in a marriage is kind of like that servant leadership idea. Mm-hmm. And so it really is kind of me saying, hey, I'm going to serve her and love her and put her needs first. And then that is just a, such a, a beautiful way to her feel, to feel, feel valued. Because you said something else. And sorry, I keep quoting Tara Wiedemeyer. I talked to Tara Wiedemeyer today. But you said in, our, in marriage, our goal should be to make the other person feel safe, uh, to feel secure, to feel pursued, and to feel desired. And so I think what we have to do is kind of get in the brain of the other person and understand. Well, we're still staying in our own lane, though. Right? staying in our own lane, but like, like, okay, this means the world to her. This means the world right. to him. And so we're not thinking about always our own needs, but we're thinking about what can truly make this person feel valued, loved, desired, because that's really kind of the, the setup for everything being a little more kind of give and take and, and, uh, and then if that physical touch of sex, you know, or non-sexual touch or whatever, it kind of just sets the table for people to express that and think about the other person because there's that, the table's been set for desire and, and love and care. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you have, if that's just the environment, you know, of the relationship that you're in and those components are there and consistent, there it marriage is hard enough you know and there's enough stressors out there um, and stresses that like you know are going to influence desire and time being able like the amount of time you're going to be able to spend with someone and you know all of those things but when those components are there and made a priority and talked about and acted upon I think I don't know. I just think that creates, those are the ingredients we need to have just a healthy marriage for one, but also like, you know, like good, solid physical touch, a good sex life um, or healthy sex life, a thriving sex life, a thriving marriage, but it's not always physical touch is its own like category. And sex is just a piece of that, you know? Um, and so I think it's important for males and females to remember that and be okay with that. And sometimes that's where I think compromise comes in too, is sometimes, you know, let's say all the kids are out of the house and, you know, the husband is like, 
oh man, like I, everybody's gone, it's just us. Yeah, that yeah. turns on that song, I think we're alone now, if you will. Oh, I love that song. <laughs> I don't know if that um, song would be the one we turn on, but I understand what you're saying. Okay, I'm not talking about while you're doing anything. I'm uh, just okay, all right, all right. to alert her that the house is empty, but the two yes. of you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, and the wife might think, oh man, this is, we can finally catch up on that show we haven't watched, or we could, maybe I can even take a nap, or we could just hang out and like talk because it's quiet, you mm -hmm. know, or vice versa. Um, and that's, but I think communicating about that and knowing like, you know, if you're wanting to just hang out and snuggle and watch a movie or it, you end up having sex, like, I don't want to say it's, you know, you take turns, but I do think there is a component of compromise. And so sometimes both parties being okay with like it being non-sexual and then also being okay with it being sexual or even being intentional and planning for that. I think, you know, we've talked about that in the past before, especially with the young kiddos and mm -hmm. busy schedules and all that. I think, you know, you make time for and plan for and are intentional about things that are important to you. And whether that be just date night or actual like sex, like I think that's okay sometimes. And then it's okay for it to be sporadic. And so kind of not having necessarily a, a rigid agenda by any means or template. And I think by communicating about that, being willing to compromise, knowing you've got to listen, truly listen in those conversations and sometimes even not what they're not saying, I think can help these kinds of things be really good experiences, but also like they're going to meet our needs, mm -hmm. even if it ends in sex or not. So, so what, like that statement you made earlier, or I made the statement that you made the statement before when your, your goal is to make sure they feel safe, secured, desired, valued, all that kind of stuff. And so it's a little bit of like, man, knowing for my wife, there's times like if the kids are gone, that man, non-sexual touch is a way that she begins to feel very, all those things. And so, man, I might have to say this is an agenda about her, but then if you're in a, a marriage that seems to be kind of moving on all cylinders here, then there's going to be times that she says, hey, man, I realize he's a grape. <laughs> and so <laughs> maybe sexual touch needs to happen. And so you're just kind of thinking about the other person. And I realize that sometimes it's difficult. Maybe sometimes you feel like you're the only one asking that question because there are different seasons and different things like that. But I think we just continue to kind of have that as the forefront of our thought is like, what is their need? What can I do to make them feel bad? And that seems to set the table for everything else. And so, um, so Tara, one, one last question. So um, why, why is the male brain typically so simple in that regard? Is there some flaw that we have? Cause we've established in the past that you, you're a better human being than I am. And so what, why is my brain so not at all? Oh, um, off camera, I think you have. So, but like, <laughs> like, so why is the male brain just so simple? Is it just because about well, sexuality? I, think, I don't know that it, I wouldn't say the male brain is just purely simple. Well, when it comes to in sexuality. This, yeah. yeah, I think in this regard, men are very, are, are very visual. Mm -hmm. um, and I think this is a, you know, we've talked about this a little bit too, but like, oftentimes not always um but the wife and also i think a lot of this does have to do with like child rearing and how old your kids are mm -hmm. and like how like i mean you know like if you're breastfeeding still kind of thing like your body does not feel like your own 
by any means. It's kind of like you've rented it out to this infant, you know, and so then to have to then, you know, make it available to someone else when you're not feeling desirable or sexy or even awake, you know, like mm-hmm. that, I think that complicates things. But so I think there's just a lot of things like in order for women to feel like they can like get to that spot. They don't, it's not necessarily a checklist, but there's, there's things that have to happen by design and physiologically in the female that don't have to happen in a male. Okay. So it, again, it kind of goes back to that onion. It's like, it's there, but we've got to peel these things back in order to, or meet other needs along the way sometimes to get there. And with a male, it's just all, it's just right there on the surface. Boom. And mm-hmm. so even if like, you know, a husband and wife are spending time together in a non-sexual way, that is always going to be somewhere in his line of thinking, in my opinion, you right. know, I would agree. And so, even if it's not at the forefront of his mind, it could take literally a touch of a, <laughs> a whatever a thought whatever it is a commercial a breeze yes a a light breeze um (laughs) to immediately then bring it to the forefront of his mind and most females are not designed that way or wired that way or have they have so much going on in their minds already um that sometimes they feel like they need to you know, physiologically, I think there's needs that need to be met along the way, like I said, but I also think in terms of like to-do lists and obligations and emotions and all these other things that they need need to either learn how to set aside or kind of unpack or find ways to, you know, express those things or communicate those things. knowing they're still going to be there afterwards. I mean, that's, I just think it's a, that's a pretty complex question depending on the context. And so, but but for us as guys, maybe for the higher desire, just knowing that men, non-sexual touch probably means a lot, kind of making sure this person feels loved, valued, desired, or not always in the pursuit of, Hey, I want this to be sex, but I really want this person to feel loved. That's kind of one thing that we can do to really help uh, this person feel valued. And that's our goal is to, to serve and to say, Hey, how can I make this person feel valued? And that's really kind of what we're after. So, yeah. and again, this not being your agenda, but oftentimes I think it's, I guess we could call it a perk or a symptom of doing that. But like, you know, a lot of times if you are, if there is non-sexual touch involved or just spending time together and making that person feel safe, secure, desired, all of those things, a lot of times, that's going to lead to a sexual experience anyway. Mm So I think that's cool when it happens because then both parties are fully like, like kind of on the same page and have the same goal. But again, I think it's very okay for that not to be the main or only goal. Yeah. All right. Well, good luck to everyone in the world of physical touch and Tara, thank you as always for your insight and your perspective and helping all of us gain a little bit more understanding of what we're doing. So that's it. It's a wrap on another episode of the mindful podcast. So, all right. Thanks Tara. See you later. All right. Bye guys. Bye.
Thanks for listening to the Mindful Marriage Podcast. Learn more about the marriage ministry at Hope by visiting hopefellowship.net slash marriage.